there be sound. Thank you, Daniel. All right. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome. Um, on behalf of me now, uh, you've already been welcomed by a couple of other people. Uh, what did you guys want to be when you grow up? Doctor. Doctor? Secretary. Secretary. Nice. Nothing wrong with that. That's good. You make good money doing that today. Baseball. baseball. You still want to be a baseball player? All right. That's good. What else? What's the strangest one? Anybody? Go. Trash guy. They make good money. I thought they only worked on Tuesdays. Nice. He thought trash guys only worked on Tuesdays for you online people. Kind of like pastors only work on Sundays, right? See, nobody laughed because they're like, oh, you don't? I thought you, yeah, that's funny. Okay, uh, let me introduce you guys to somebody. This is Jordan T. Stonehouse at age like 10 or something like that. Did I get an awe? Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, I wanted to be a music producer when I grew up, grow up, grew up, yeah, back, back then. Um, and I actually, I remember for years, my dream was like, I want one of those Casio um, keyboard players, and I'm like, man, life would be perfect if I could just get one of those. And then mom and dad made a way. Thanks, mom and dad. They, well, and I'm sorry because I was probably really annoying with it, but I finally got the Casio keyboard, and then life became even better because I realized I could start making my own music. And then eventually when I became a teenager, I started making like techno. It's not called that anymore. It's called EDM, but I started making like electronic music. And I've made like 300 songs. And I'm actually, not am, I was actually pretty good at it. It was like my dream to be a music producer. And like side note, I, um, I sometimes, this is the most fascinating thing, I sometimes will go listen to my old music and analyze my old self. I, I like learn stuff about me because like I didn't realize what structure was when I was younger. So I would have all these ideas and they would just hit you like boom, boom, boom. I'm like, you got to take your time, Jordan. Like you got to like bring that at the bridge or something like that. But it's so funny for me to analyze, like to learn about myself through the music that I used to make. And that was my absolute dream. Um, but I guess I'll just say it now. Uh, God had something different for me. Um, he had this, actually. And uh, the talk that, that I'm going to be giving today is really about, like, I think it's called How to Burn Your Past. So, like, how to set your past on fire. So, there's, like, that little, you got that little punch, right? But um, how do you not let your past essentially, like, burn your future? Especially as it relates to, like, being a follower of Jesus, like, how do you not just live into the vision that you had for your own life, but how do you take the next step into what God has for you? And I'm really happy, actually, that God changed my story to not be a music producer, but more to be like a producer of community. Like this, this is my song. I mean, it's our song, right? But, but to get to do what I'm doing now, um, is an absolute joy, but I think it took almost having to let that dream die. Anybody ever been there? Like, to let a good thing go in the past so that God could actually do uh, in my life what he wanted to do. So, uh, too deep, too quick? We good? We, things good? Um, 
We started a series last week called Creating a Next Step Culture, like um, Next Steps Culture, which Julie talked about. And the goal of this series is for all of us, you, 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 everybody in here, everybody who's joining us online, everybody that's a part of this church that hasn't gotten to the gathering yet, uh, to find a way to take a next step with God. It's, it's interesting, actually, when you look at what um, faith looks like in the Bible, um, it's almost always described as like a walk. So you, how you relate to God is like walking. Being a disciple of Jesus was totally about following. So it's, it's a pretty spiritual idea to think about taking a next step with God. And the question, I mean, it's a simple question, right? But the question that I, I want us all to be asking, myself included, is what is your next step with God? And last week we talked about gathering. Uh, you did it. You're back. You took the next step. Well done. Uh, and this week we're talking about something different, and we're going to continue to hopefully make the language of, like, taking a next, next step with God uh, normal because God has more for every one of us. So... Um, we talked about the gathering last week, and essentially, like, from God's word, like, wanted everybody to know that you're not alone. Even though maybe this fall, uh, uh, fresh start didn't feel so great, or um, you feel like you're isolated in a cave like Elijah, the character we talked about last week, you're not alone. So step out of the cave and come gather together. So... We left off with a prophet named Elijah stepping out of the cave. He heard the gentle whisper of God calling his name out of this cave so that he could know that he's not alone. And I want to pick up right there. So I'm not going to give you the whole backstory of the story because that was last week. But here's where we're at right now. Uh, Elijah, this prophet uh, of God, stepped out of the cave. And then God reminded him he's not alone and gave him these instructions right here, and that's gonna take us into our next scene. Capiche, cool, can you give me the okie dokie sign? Y'all can give me the okie dokie emoji. Hopefully this doesn't mean a curse word or something, and I don't know about it, but it does. I will drop it now, thank you, Amber. Um, <laughs> this is the next part of the story. So this is God's next step for Elijah, and then we're gonna actually go into that step. So it says this, uh, the Lord said to him, this is 1 Kings chapter 19, um, Messy is okay is one of our favorite things to say around here. So if you see some projector on the screen or some on the floor or whatever, it's all good. Um, if you want to help us figure that out, you can gladly volunteer. Um, uh, but this is the, what God said, the next step for Elijah. It says, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram, anoint Jehu, son of Nimish, Nimshi, king over Israel, and the guy that we're going to talk about today, anoint Elisha, son of, not Snapchat, I almost say that every time I read this, but Snafat, uh, from Abel Nehemiah to succeed you as prophet. So Elijah steps out of the cave, he's reminded that he's not alone, and then God gives him a buddy. He gives him a successor who gets to be the prophet that will follow Elijah. So that's good news for, for Elijah. So we're going to focus, though, on this new protege. So the scene that we're going to step into next uh, is um, a shift towards 
his apprentice. So it's kind of Elijah is the older one, and then Elisha is the one that we're going to talk about. Not nearly as much scripture today as I covered last week. I think I did a decent job for as much as we had, though, right? Um, so I want to unfold the story as we go, though, okay? So Elijah is going now to find this person. And remember, he's going to find a friend like he thought he was alone. He wanted to die in the cave. But God said, no, you're not alone. I have 7,000 people and I have this apprentice that I'm going to give you. So Elijah's on his way to go meet Elisha. So uh, the next chapter, so we, oh, there we go. Good. Mitch, you're great. You also look great in the hat, by the way. Um, 1 Kings 19, so this is like right after, right after he leaves there. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Snapchat. Um, he, was, he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. So if that seems weird, um, it's because, I mean, to us it kind of is. So you have a guy, Elisha, who's the apprentice, who's in the middle of his work day. He's in the middle of his shift. Maybe he's mowing his lawn. And uh, then this man who he's never met is walking on the sideway. Maybe he creepily walks up, I don't know, uh, with, with this coat and throws it on him and walks away. So to us, silly story, right? Um, wouldn't you be annoyed if you were out there mowing your lawn and your neighbor did, did that? Like, who does that? Who just chucks their coat on their neighbor's head and leaves? Elisha was busy, he was working, and he was focused. He was in the middle of something. But Elijah, this guy who threw the coat, was sent there by God to let Elisha know that, that the next step God had for him was to be the next prophet. So it, maybe it's an answer to Elisha's prayer, but in any case, that's representative. Let's just think of it this way, that this coat being thrown onto Elisha is representative of like God uh, inviting us into something. It's God getting our attention it's God interrupting. Because <laughs> Elisha was doing his own thing, right? Um, with the plot of land that he would have had that size, you did not need that many oxen. Uh, his family was well off from, from what we can tell. So he was, he was living a pretty like successful life. Um, but God isn't all that interested in our schedule. Wouldn't it be great if God gave you like an advance notice? I mean, we pray for stuff that we hope God will answer someday, but as long as it fits like in the right timeline. But when you come to faith uh, in God through Jesus, you begin to realize that your life really isn't your own, right? Like, man, especially if you have kids, you start to realize like, wow, like my life is like that and I depend on so much. All of life is a gift from God. The breath that we have, we know that, but still, an interruption still feels like 
an interruption. Even though we're on God's timeline, not God on our timeline. It's like, let's say, let's say, and I've been, I'm here today, but let's say you really want your life uh, to have meaning to help people. Sometimes someone needs your help while you're in the middle of something. Is that God interrupting you? I think sometimes it is. Or you've been really wanting to grow closer to God and you're invited to maybe a group or something that studies the Bible, but you'll have to change your schedule in order to make it work. Like, is that God interrupting you too? So as we see ourselves in the story, I just want to ask you, I'll ask you a couple questions as we go here. What in your life right now, what is God interrupting you with? God sometimes wants us to learn something through difficult circumstances. Is God interrupting you with that right now? Or God sometimes is, is getting our attention by like a holy discontentment. You just have like a knot in your gut. Is God interrupting you with that? Or sometimes God interrupts you with like repeated patterns of the same thing across different areas of your life. That's the weird stuff, right? When you start to see something come up kind of all over the place in your life and God seems to be wanting to get your attention and interrupt your life to take you on a step that he's planned for you to take. So God may be interrupting you at an inconvenient time to see something, to, uh, to see something about him or to do something for him or to go somewhere. Uh, he's calling you to go. So pay attention as we continue here to the interruptions in your life. If something feels different, that just might be God speaking to you. It just might be that still small whisper that we talked about last week. It might be God tapping on your shoulder. It might be God throwing a coat over your face, <laughs> calling you into the next step. So Elisha was interrupted. Let's continue. Uh, next verse it says, good. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. So this actually was a, like a form of stalling. Um, Jesus kind of refers to this in the New Testament that anybody who uh, turns, I'm going to totally botch the quote here, but anybody who turns back uh, while they're, I'm not even going to quote it because I, I can't do it well. But Jesus quotes this and it leads me to believe that this is Elisha stalling. Maybe not an excuse directly, but uh, we'll just say like a small excuse. Um, because what that cloak meant, I didn't even explain that. What that cloak meant that was thrown on him was that he, Elisha, was going to be the successor of Elijah. And I got to imagine... Um, if you were here last week when we talked about the showdown between uh, Elijah and the prophets of Baal, he's wearing that cloak, right? So, and all the people of Israel were there to watch that happen, including Elisha, most likely, if all of Israel was there. So he's seen uh, what this prophet in this super cool coat 
was doing and that that indicated that he would be taking that like mantle of being the prophet for um, God's people. But he did, he did what we kind of do. He's got that like, uh, let me first and then I will. Do you ever feel that when, when God is, is putting something in front of you that you're like, I really think I'm supposed to talk to this person or I'm supposed to apply for that job or I really need help in this area of my life. And we know that, but then there's that potential for bargaining and excuses that, that we, all, we all have. It's like, yeah, but let me first or maybe later because I'm just too busy right now or uh, maybe that wasn't God speaking to me at all. Have you ever done that? Like convinced yourself out of something that really seemed like uh, was God telling you to be, do, or think, or become what he's designed you to be. But there's something uh, in our life with God to take a next step with God. There's something that we're going to have to say goodbye to. It's not always something huge, but there's, there's always something when, when you take a step towards God that you have to kiss goodbye. <laughs> So the first thing that we need to say goodbye to when we're wanting to take a next step to is our excuses. It's kind of a, a sharp point there, right? But I'm, I'm guilty of it too. So I wonder what are, what are some common excuses for you? So what's, what are the interruptions that God is drawing your attention to? The thing that he wants you, the step he wants you to take? Maybe it's help to get, maybe it's a place to serve, maybe it's whatever. But with, with this, the sureness that you have about that step being what God wants you to take, what are some of the excuses that get in the way of that? What makes you maybe shrug it off? Shrug off what God's putting on you. <laughs> or, or makes you fall back into old patterns. Next verse. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So that's Elijah's response to um, Elisha saying, like, let me go kiss mom and, mom and pops goodbye, and then I'll come back. Um, it, you, don't, you can't really tell from this uh, passage, so I actually included the message uh, version of it too. You get a little bit more of kind of Elisha's vibes here, so you can go to the next one there. Um, like, Elisha says, go ahead, but mind you, don't forget what I've just done for you. So essentially, like, yeah, go say goodbye to your parents, but you've been anointed. God's made your next step clear. So don't forget that when you go back home. God interrupts our plans for something better. Elisha had a decent thing going he was successful in what he did, but God interrupted him and was suiting him up for something better. God was suiting him up for something better. He was calling Elisha out on behalf of God to go up, to go and do what God wanted. And as you see yourself in the story, I just want to say this. God has suited you up for something. 
He's made you for something. He's made you for many things. But today, as you're thinking about what your next step might be, God is suiting you up for that. He's getting you ready to step into it. God interrupts our plans for something better. And it can be hard to know what that is, right? That's why we have each other to discern it as well. But I, but I want to tell you, I'm certain that God has made you for a relationship with him. I'm certain God has made you uh, to live off of his word and learn how to live from that. And I know that God has made you to make the world better. So what is God suiting you up for? With whatever interruption you're having in your life, what might God be suiting you up for next? Yeah, we, have, we all have excuses maybe that we need to say goodbye to, but really, like, what exciting thing is God calling you to next? There's nothing more exciting for me than... than leaning in, especially leaning in with my friends like you to go like, what is God saying? And from there, like, what are we going to do about it then? What's our step going to be? Because I think God has big, big plans. And not only is he suiting each of us individually up, but I think God is suiting this community up too. I thought that for a long time. What challenging thing, what necessary thing is God suiting you up for? The big question, though, when it comes to that, is, is there something from your past, something that you are carrying with you um, that needs to be let go? God is suiting you up for something better. It might not be easier, but it's better. In this, in this short story, I think we can say that Elisha knew that because of his reaction. And this is like my favorite part of the story. Next part says, so Elisha left him and went back. So he went back to mom and dad. He took his yoke of oxen with him, big old things, and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and give it to the people, and they ate. He then set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. God had suited Elisha up for something. And I think because he responded so quickly with so much um, confidence that maybe Elisha was waiting uh, waiting for God to show him what his real purpose was, what his next step was. When they went to make an altar, um, if you rewind a couple chapters in First Kings, um, the altar that uh, Elijah made during that showdown that he had with the prophets of Baal, uh, he took 12 stones. You know, I'm taking these 12 stones here. And what they would, where they would gather those stones from is the boundary markers of their fields. So, did Elisha uh, 
when he went to go burn his stuff to step into the next chapter? Did he take the boundary markers from the life that he was living and start to make an altar? Because he now knew what his next step with God was. So we can learn from his example because for him, once he knew what that step was, he took his plowing equipment, the thing that earned him his livelihood, he broke it down. threw it all together. Because that represented the past that he, God was no longer asking him to live. He took the things in his life that represented the old him, his tools, I wanted to be a music producer, but that's not what God has for me. So, I need to let that go. I wanna, I wanna have better relationships in my life. So I need to let go of my bitterness. I want to let go of all the guilt that I used to have because I know that God is suiting me up and calling me to a life that's free. I know that God has given me a next step that I need to take and I'm not gonna let anything in my past hold me back from that. Because the thing about our past is if we hold on to it too much, it can end up burning our future. So what Elisha does is he goes all in. God had called him out. God had suited him up. And so he had to set fire I love language like that. I'm not telling you to set anything on fire. Nor am I telling you to go burn bridges. Use wisdom and heal. But there are things that you're carrying that you have the opportunity and freedom to no longer take with you into the future. Maybe the, the thing that is keeping you stuck from taking the next step with God is the fond memories of who you used to be. But Elijah had to act quickly. And he left his old stuff in flames like a diehard movie. 
because God had suited him up for a journey that he was supposed to take. This leader slash business owner became a servant. And every time you want to move up with God, you have to move down. So I want to invite you for your next step to be the one that happens just after you let the match go. Let your next step be the one that no longer lets your past story define you. God is suiting you up for a good story. His plans for you are good. So what I want to do, bless you, Barb. What I want to do is ask you this question. What from your past needs to, to be left behind? But what I also want to give you the opportunity to do is, in a minute, we're going to do communion. But before that, I want to give you a little bit of space. So you can come on up, Philip, if you want. Um, I want to give you a little bit of space. Um, We've built an altar here. And really what we're talking about is not letting your past be an anchor, but letting your past be an altar. In order to do that, though, what from your past needs to be left behind? There's, there's some index cards in front of you. And there's also some pens in the rows. Or maybe there's not. Just grab whatever paper's there if you want to. But what I want to do is give you a minute to just think and pray as you think about what next step God wants you to take with him. And maybe you don't know yet, but you might know this. You might know that there's something from your past that you need to, to set on fire and let go of. We're not going to set anything on fire, so don't get any funny ideas. But. So what I, what I want you to do is uh, if you could just play something, Philip, in the background just to give a little bit of space. But what from your past needs to be left behind? Is it a dream that God is no longer asking you to step into? Is it some pain? Is it past successes that you had? Is it the old you that makes you proud? What is it that you can put on the altar to no longer take with you into the future? Because... Can I propose to you that I do believe God has something for you that's better? I don't know what your situation's been, but God has a better you ahead of you. There was a time, and I say this story every once in a while, but there was a time when uh, God uses my wife's voice often in my life, but this particular time, uh, I was in a pretty bad state of depression and I, I really wanted to get back to who I used to be. I was like really just mad that I couldn't be happy like I used, like all old paradigms. I just wanted to be that Jordan again. And she told me, you, you have no idea that there actually is a better version of Jordan in the future that you never even dreamed of. And I think you're right. And, and I, I don't know that it means better as in like I'm more of a perfect person but the old you is gone and God has something better
So I um, went for a walk this morning at 6 a.m. thinking about this moment and I looked up at the stars and I was just thinking about like this moment and I'm like, is God big enough to trust with it? Is God big enough to trust with whatever thing that, that you might want to write on that card? With whatever thing from your past that you can just let go of. So I want to just give you a a minute of silence and then Julie, I'll invite you up in a second and we're, well, we'll do that in a second. So just take a minute to think about what from your past needs to be let go of in order to step into the thing that God is suiting you up for. Take a minute. I'm going to invite my friend Julie up, and uh, it's our six-month birthday of the gathering for Wyoming Harbor today, and this is going to be our first time doing uh, the Lord's Supper, the communion together, Um, and it's set up this way, that that we're going to receive... the body and blood of Christ as the thing that we know um, gives assurance that our future is good, that in the hands of Jesus, we're both forgiven and have the promise of eternal life. So you can trade. You can trade whatever's on your card if you want. You can bring it up and set it up on this thing and legit, I'll take it home and set it on fire (laughs) if you want. So we're going to do our first official Wyoming Harbor communion together. Um, We're going to read the scripture here a minute, in a minute. And then we want to invite you to come up. Um, Come up with with whoever you're with. And we've got these neat little uh, packet thingies (laughs) that have the wafer that that doesn't taste good, but that's not the point, okay? Okay. where once, once we invite you up, uh, you can partake of that with whoever you come up with. So um, nobody is going to dip it for you or whatever. But take this moment, though, 
to, to take whatever that thing is that you, you wrote on that piece of paper or on your heart and like set it there. Set it there and leave it there. And metaphorically set it on fire and pick up this good news of Jesus who gave himself on a, as a different sort of sacrifice on a different sort of altar for you and I. So Paul says this. Am I Brad or are you? Okay. <laughs> Paul says this. <laughs> For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, oh, you didn't break the bread. Go break it. It's not too late. His body given and broken for you. In the same way, sure. After supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat the bread and drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So my friends, come and receive that good news. Come with uh, your card. Leave it there and take up the good news that Jesus' body and blood is given for you so that you can step into that beautiful, amazing thing that he has for you. So come, for all things have been made ready.